Gentiles and the people of Israel were gathered together for to do whatsoever thy hand and thy counsel determined before to be done. And now, Lord, behold their threatenings and grant unto thy servants that with all boldness they may speak thy word by stretching forth thine hand to heal and that sights and wonders may be done by the name of thy holy child, Jesus. And when they had what? The place was shaken where they were assembled together. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and they spake the word of God with boldness. And the multitude of them that believed were of what? One heart and of one soul. Neither said any of them that all of the things which he possessed was his own, but they had all things common. And with great power the apostles gave witness of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. Dear Heavenly Father, I pray that you would please begin to prepare our hearts for revival. I pray that you would speak to us as only you can. Holy Spirit, this is your service, not mine. Please do what only you can do. We pray this in Jesus' name, and amen. You can be seated. If I could have some men to help me, Second um, Chronicles seven fourteen, Brother Elisha, you have that one, I believe. Could you please read that one loudly for us? Thank you, sir. Acts chapter number one, verse number twelve. Is that you, Brother Daniel? Yeah, and then verses 13 and 14. I did just say verse number 12, didn't I? But 12 through 14, if you would, please. Thank you, sir. Sorry about uh, misinforming you there. That was my fault. Acts chapter number 2 and verse number 42. Brother Jerry, if you would, please, sir. These passages that we've read in the book of Acts all surround, and chapter 4 as well, the one that we read together, the great move of God that was beginning to take place on the day of Pentecost and then after the fact. Now, I do believe that you might say dispensationally some different things are happening here with the pouring out of the Holy Spirit and uh, the receiving of the Holy Spirit for the Jews and the Gentiles. Some different things are happening here. I'm not going to say that the exact same things can happen through our prayer, because, of course, we know that the speaking in tongues and things of that nature were 
uh, more a sign that Jesus Christ was the Son of God. And, and uh, I believe even the signs such as the cloven tongues as of fire and the room being shaken uh, and, and uh, the sound of a mighty rushing wind. I, I believe that those things are more a, an apostolic sign of uh, what God was about to do through the name of Jesus Christ among the Jews and then later the Gentiles. So I'm not here to say that these are going to be the exact same thing, but I do believe this, that if you take Second Chronicles 7.14, which says, and we all know it, if my people, and that is conditional, if my people, which are called by my name. Now, that was written to Israel, but we are grafted into the family of God. Yes, we are grafted into the seed of Abraham. So if my people, that includes us too, which are called by my name, are you saved and are you called by his name? Amen. Amen. Have you called upon his name? Amen. Then you are called by his name. If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and what? And pray. And then we see in the book of Acts that they tarried at Jerusalem and they prayed. And we see uh, in, uh, the, the, uh, in the passages in the book of Acts that not only did they pray, but each time we read those passages, we saw that they were in one accord and that they were in unity. I want to say this. I, I want to see God move in a big way in the revival this coming week. And I don't want that revival to just be for our church. I want it to be for our community. I want the kind of revival that takes place within these walls that spreads out into our communities as we become a witness for Christ while people get saved and, and people in our schools get saved and people in our businesses get saved and, and people in our homes get saved and our neighbors get saved. That's the kind of revival I have been praying for since I was a young man. I still believe that God can do those things. And that is the kind of revival that took place here in the book of Acts. That is also the kind of revival that we have seen take place at times in history. You've heard me refer to some of those revivals, the Great Awakenings and the Wales Revivals and many others that took place in more, you might call it, modern history. And so while some say, well, that kind of revival only took place on the day of Pentecost and that kind of revival only took place during the transitional period of the book of Acts as we went into the church age, I would, I would, I would contend with that greatly. That's the kind of revival that gave us the prohibition and the amendment to our Constitution when guys like Billy Sunday were preaching and entire towns would shut down when he would walk in and the bars would shut down, not just temporarily, but permanently, because revival was spreading through America. I believe that the kind of revival that took place on the day of Pentecost, where God's Spirit is poured out upon all flesh in a slightly different way than it was poured out upon all flesh at that moment. Let me explain the difference in my opinion. Now, this is just my opinion. You study it and see what you think for yourselves. But I believe that the pouring out of all flesh, which was prophesied by Joel, that took place on the day of Pentecost, is that of the pouring out of the Spirit upon all flesh as the Holy Spirit began to woo all men unto Himself to be saved. I believe personally that's the pouring out that took place on the day of Pentecost. But I believe there have been other times as well in history where as God's Spirit had already been poured out upon all flesh uh, and wooing all men unto Himself to be saved, I believe that there have also been times where God had a second or a third or whatever you want to call it kind of outpouring where He began to speak to people of a certain community, a certain region, a certain church and begin to do a very special work. That's the kind of revival that I believe God can still do, and I believe He could do it this weekend 
as we begin to have revival with Brother Dennis Petty. Now, uh, you all know Brother Petty. He's been here for a few years, and you've gotten to know him a little bit. You know he's a very serious preacher. I, I believe he's a very spirit-filled preacher. We're not going to come in, and, and it's, it's not likely that we're going to come in over the next few days and just leave saying, wow, boy, wasn't that just a great time? I think probably what is going to happen is that the conviction of the Holy Spirit is going to fall, and God wants to move in a great way, and maybe as a result of us getting right with God, we will say, wow, what a great revival. But I don't know that we're getting ready to have one of those hoopla revivals where everybody just shouts the house down and just feels so good about all of the things of their Christian life. I think it's very possible that what may happen is that the conviction of God may fall. And yes, we may also have some very uplifting services, but Brother Petty is a very spirit-filled man who's a very serious preacher. And we're going to have to come in with our hearts prepared for that kind of service. Is everybody okay? I love the type of preaching that we're going to get this weekend. It's the kind that I personally need often the very most in my life. But in order for God to move in our hearts, we're not only going to have to be prepared for what God wants to do, but I think we're going to have to prepare ourselves spiritually, and I believe we're going to have to put great prayer into what God wants to do. I believe there are a few reasons why we need to pray for God's power. One, because God wants us all to be in one accord about having a need for a move of God. Why would God ask us to pray for the move of God if God wants to move? Except to make sure that His people all get on the same page and desire the same thing. Notice the Bible says that they were all in one accord in one place. If we're going to see revival, there are a few elements for revival that we need to pay attention to. First of all, and as I just said, if God is going to move in a great way, we must be in one accord. I want us to consider two different ways that we need to be in one accord. One, we need to be in one accord in our relationships with our brethren. When the Bible says that they were in one accord, it means that they were in unity with each other. There wasn't bickering, there wasn't fighting, there weren't grudges, there weren't problems. They were all in agreement with each other. Now, did uh, the apostles and disciples have issues at times with each other in the past? You better believe it. Does anybody remember how that there were a couple of them who wanted the, uh, the, the seats on the right and on the left of Jesus? And that they all kind of got frustrated with them? Is everybody okay? Does anybody remember that they also had some other problems where Peter fell away from the Lord and he said, I go a-fishing, and they all went with him? Or many of them did? Remember how Peter led them all astray and they went back to their previous uh, way of, of, of living and began to fish again and didn't see any success? You think they didn't have problems after Jesus anointed them and told them to go out and do the work? You better believe they did. Now, how is it that they get from there to this place where they're all in one accord? Well, there had to be some forgiveness in there somewhere. There had to be some working, some problems out. We know that Peter had to work his problems out with Jesus in John chapter number 21 as he said, Peter, lovest thou me? Hello? They all had to get on the same page together again, yes? Look at uh, Matthew chapter 5 in your Bibles, would you please very quickly? Matthew chapter 5. Now, I want God to hear our prayer tonight. 
And I want him to hear our prayer throughout the course of the week, as I hope we will pray more than just this evening. But what does God say during His Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter number 5 about our prayer? In verse number 23, He says this, Matthew chapter 5 and verse number 23, Therefore, if thou bring thy gift to the altar, and there rememberest that thy brother hath what? Ought against thee, leave there thy gift before the altar, and go thy way. First be reconciled to thy brother, and then come and offer thy gift. Agree with thine adversary quickly, whilst thou art in the way with him, lest at any time the adversary deliver thee to the judge, and the judge deliver thee to the officer, and thou be cast into prison. Now, this is a financial passage in many ways. It's talking about having a debt owed to your brother. But it's also talking about having something at odds with your brother. And God says, if you come to the altar to bring your offering to the Lord, to try to make peace with God, or to try to get right with God, and you, before you get to the altar, remember, oh yeah, my brother has ought against me. He says, go get right with your brother before you come to my house and try to get right with me. That's my understanding of it. Now, reconciliation and unity in the faith should be so important to us that we're willing to get right with the people who are mad at us, not the people that we're mad at. Because did you notice how he worded this? Therefore, if thou bring thy gift to the altar, and there rememberest that thy brother hath ought against thee, that's different than saying that you have ought against your brother. Well, I got mad at my brother and I said something wrong the other day, so I need to go get right with him. We need to do that too. But this one says, if you know there's a brother around you that has a problem with you, you're supposed to get, go to him and get right with him. This puts the weight of reconciliation on the one who is on the receiving end of the anger or the issue. If we remember our brother has ought against us, we should go to them. Preacher, why in the world are you on this? Because the Bible says they were in one accord. The Bible says, if my people which are called by my name shall... Oh, oh it's so hard to get out. Uh, uh, humble themselves before God and before their brother. Brother Gomez used to say all the time, during revival, before revival, after revival, you cannot be wrong with your brother and right with God. The two do not mix. They were in one accord when God showed up. Is everybody okay? Got really quiet. It's still Bible. If we can't be right with each other, we can't experience full revival. Real revival will take place when God's people can get right with each other the same way they get right with Him. We need to be in one accord. One accord in our relationships. Secondly, 
one accord in our prayer. Matthew chapter number 18 in your Bibles, if you would please. Matthew chapter number 18. Matthew chapter 18, and look if you would please at verse number 19. Again, I say unto you, that if two of you shall agree on earth, as touching anything that they shall ask, it shall be done for them of my Father which is in heaven. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I in the what? Midst of them. We need to be in one accord in our prayer. Do you see that where the Bible says, um, that if two of you shall agree on earth as touching anything that they shall ask, it shall be done for them of my Father which is in heaven. Why do I believe that they saw a great revival in these days? I believe not only were they in one accord uh, with each other, but they were one accord in what they were praying for. Notice how they were all praying for the same thing in Acts chapter number 1, and God did it. Notice how they were all praying for the same thing in Acts chapter number 4, and God did it. Is everybody okay? And so we need to be all in one accord, lifting up our voices, asking God to do the same thing. It's good for us sometimes to get together and pray for, uh, you know, our toe fungus and our, you know, whatever. Our hair didn't work this week, you know, whatever. It's good for us to pray for each other and bear one another's burdens. That's a good thing. But at the same time, sometimes we're not all praying for the same things. We're praying for our own personal needs instead of praying corporately for the needs of the ministry, for the needs of our region, for the needs of our community. We're not all often praying for the same things because we're all praying for our own separate things. And it's good for us sometimes to get on the same page and pray for some things together. God hears that. God hears that. We need to be in one accord in our relationships and in our prayer. Before revival takes place, there is unity and reconciliation. And I've already been touching on this, so I'm kind of repeating it. But before great revival is great prayer. Before the great revivals of history, has always been great prayer. I want, to, I want to ask us, and we're going to go to prayer with each other here pretty quickly. I want to ask us to pray for one, two, three, four, five categories this evening. You might write them down if you'd like to, or just try to remember them. Number one, I want us to pray for God to speak to us personally. Y'all, I need revival just as much as anybody else does. And I need to be humble enough to ask God to speak to me personally. Now, asking God to speak to me personally is just the start of change. He speaks to our hearts, but the power for change in our lives comes when we listen and submit our will to His. And say, alright God, this is what you've spoken to me about. Now, I'll submit my will to what you say I should be doing and let you change me. This is different from saying, I'll change when God gives me the desire to change, but rather, <laughs> it's saying, God, please speak to me and I will yield my will to you when you do. Is everybody with me? Pray, first of all, for God to speak to us personally. 
I've said this recently, but I'll say it again because I believe it bears repeating. In order for us to see personal revival, the only way for us to do it is to draw a circle around ourselves and nobody else and pray for God to send revival within that circle. Prayer for God to speak to us personally. Secondly, prayer for God to move and speak to us as a whole. We could say corporately or as a church, but as a whole. I want us to pray for God to send revival to our church. I want us to, say, I want us to pray for God to send revival to our region. I want us to pray for God to send revival to Campbell, to the town that we live in, to the neighborhood that we live in and that it be started through us. Number one, prayer for God to speak to us personally. Number two, prayer for God to move and speak to us <coughs> as a whole. Number three, prayer for the power of God for the preacher and the singers. You might just pray for this, because, you know, listen, the preacher, I believe, can only have about as much power as, well, you know what? No, nope, the Lord told me not to say that. Pray for the preacher for him to have power. And pray for God's anointing power on the service. I believe it's two separate things, but largely the similar thing. Pray for the power of God. Fourthly, I do believe that in order for us to see revival, we do need to be in prayer for each other a meaningful bearing of one another's burdens can reveal to us where our heart is, whether it's in unity or not with each other. Real revival can take place when we can truly, from our hearts, pray for each other. God tells us even to love our enemies. Now, can I say this? Sometimes we like to say that and then say, yep, uh, so I will pray for my enemies in the church. No, 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 no. Uh, I don't think there's ever been a place in the Bible where God calls your enemies the brethren. It's talking about unbelievers, the unrighteous, those who are wicked and hate Christianity and who have despitefully used you. Those people that are without the walls. But within the walls, there should be brotherly love. There should be prayer for each other. Fifth, there should be prayer for the lost. There should be prayer for the lost. What were the people praying for on the day of Pentecost and before the day of Pentecost and after the day of Pentecost? We read in Acts chapter number 4 how that they were praying for those that had been lost, that had persecuted them, that had done things against them, not just at that point, but in points previous in history. And what did they say? They prayed and asked God to give them boldness to speak the truth so that others might be saved. What were they saying? They were saying, Lord, we know we've been persecuted in the past. We know we are persecuted now. We know that we are going to be persecuted in the future. Give us the boldness to preach the truth anyway because there are people that need to be saved. Pray for the lost to be saved. So five things that I want us to pray for this evening. Prayer for God to speak to us personally. Prayer for God to move and speak to us as a whole. Prayer for the power of God on the services. Prayer for each other. And prayer for the lost.
Now here's what we're going to do this evening. Well, I've been thinking about doing this a couple of ways. Initially, I was thinking we would divide up into small groups and pray with each other. I think instead we will all pray at the same time for these things. But then, uh, to close us out, I'm going to ask a couple of men to pray for us. Mike Redmond, could I ask you please to pray when we get finished praying together as a whole? Brother Jerry Summers, I'd like to ask you to pray. And then I will pray, I believe, as well, if the Lord leads that way. All right, so here's what we're going to do. You can come to the altar. You can stay there in your seats. Uh, and I mean that. I mean that. You can, you can pray anywhere. But I'm going to ask us to spend some time with the Lord this evening in prayer about these things. And in a couple of moments, we're going to close together and have a couple of men pray to close us out. All right, everybody, let's pray together about these things.
Brother Redmond, would you please pray for us? And amen.
I'm going to ask everybody to do one more thing. It came to mind. I didn't write it in my notes, and I forgot to mention it. Pick somebody out, one person or a few, that you know, a neighbor, a coworker, uh, a relative, friend. Pick somebody out or a few of them that you know are lost. Ask God to give you a burden for them and pray for them to be saved. And then, after you've prayed for them, I'm going to ask you, we have two opportunities coming up that a lot of people will come to if they won't come to a normal church service. You could pray for them to be saved and invite them to the revival or just ask God to open the door for you to witness to them. But you could invite them to the revival or you could invite them to Easter Sunday. A lot of people are looking for a place to go on Easter Sunday. A lot of people will come to a revival if they won't come to a regular church service. I'm going to ask you to, to, to find somebody that you believe is lost and pray for them to be saved. Would you do that? And then over the next few days while we lead up to the services on Sunday, pray for God to continue to work in your heart. Pray for God's power. Pray for the things that we prayed for tonight more than just tonight. And let's lift these things up to the Lord and come ready for God to do something. You know, I said we, we I know Brother Petty and we may, I, we're probably not going to have that, you know, 